you have opposed the matrix here oh boy what a battle it's been to get online tonight um it is the uh, 2nd of september 2019 and i'm about ready to take technology and throw it in the river and i live not too far away from a river and i'm about ready to do that <laughs> um so uh got kind of an eclectic mixture here tonight uh talking through earphones uh microphone and listening through speakers on the computer so hopefully there's no feedback i've been assured by jim and and uh eric hello guys hey hey How good you doing? Okay. good they're there uh, good um you've been assured by these fellas that uh they can hear me and i can hear them and uh and we're going to proceed with the show apologies a thousand apologies we're starting 15 minutes late but considering the odds we were up against, uh, I think that's pretty darn good. So please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is what our title of our show is tonight. Please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so, Jim, you know, you and I were, were having quite a conversation today on, online, and we had some pretty neat revelations that were coming coming across. So maybe before we uh, uh, go with throwing the baby out with the bathwater, um uh, you could uh, do that. Maybe, maybe what we ought to do is I should explain why we were doing the baby with the bathwater thing. I think that'd probably be a good idea. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> sorry, folks, I just woke up too. So anyway, um, let me shut my door here. Um, last week we had a, a, a guest on and, uh, some of the things that, that were expressed were not necessarily what we, we can, condone or what we practice so uh, but that doesn't mean that the person everything the person said was wrong okay now i know that jim you and i um and eric you you also uh with family i think and and friends at church you uh you we're all three of us we have sound doctrine and uh you know we we believe in the in christian orthodoxy um and you can go to any one of our pages and look at the, um, the statement of faith to see what that is. But um, for years, when we would talk about uh, UFOs, aliens, Nephilim, and stuff like that, you'd get a raised eyebrow or a little smirk or a little pat on the head or, or shoulder, and and people would kind of snicker as they walked away. And that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part was that they tell everybody that you were basically a lunatic and that uh, you lead, believed in little green men and the whole nine yards. So um, we ourselves have experienced similar things to what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> and uh, having been in those shoes and uh, worn those shoes, so to speak, uh, you know, we can understand and, and we have sympathy and uh, compassion and empathy for people when uh, they try to bring things into the fray that uh, might not necessarily sound like it, it, it is uh, orthodox in nature, but uh, neither did we 10, 15, 20 years ago. We were talking about aliens and Nephilim, 
but look at today. You know, you can't go anywhere on television, uh, yeah. uh, documentaries, and <clears throat> anything else uh, without hearing about Nephilim and UFOs and everything else. So uh, what was once uh, a lunatic fringe is now a common day occurrence. So um, with that having been said, Jim, um, do you want to kind of elaborate a little bit on uh, how we how we kind of splintered off when we were talking today? And, and you had some things that you were telling me that were just basically sending chills up my spine, which is kind of dangerous when you're driving down the road. <laughs> well, I was going to save that to, for the last, if it was okay. Oh, okay. But, um, okay. But I think we can still kind of segue into some of the uh, situations. Tonight, most important, I mean, we have a problem, and the problem in order to get a, any problem that we have fixed, we have to know how and why we got we have this problem. How did it how did it become a problem? Because obviously to undo it, we have to know what the cause was. So we have a cultural problem within Christianity ourselves. I say it goes back to the Greco-Roman um, cultural concept that has crept its way into Western Christianity where we need to get back to an Eastern understanding by the people that wrote the Bible, the Jews. And we don't understand the Jewish way of, of writing or understanding their mind. That's actually very important to, to know in order to be able to not fall into this other wrong cultural thing. The idea of debating, the idea of um, uh, misunderstanding, rather, of, of um, apologetics. Uh, and the one scripture about contending for the faith is one that everybody that's in a Christian apologetics bases on. And unfortunately, in our westernized mind, we end up going on witch hunts, hunts with one another. Right. There's no balance. You know, the Lord said for that, that the way that the world was going to understand his love for them is how we, he sees how we love one another. Well, go into any chat room or any discussion group online. Uh, anywhere and see the love that's being shared. It's horrible. Right. People being called, you know, false prophets, false teachers, false this, wolves in sheep's clothing, and all these things. I, you know, maybe that's the family that they came from. Maybe that kind of dysfunctionality was, I mean, I'm not talking about just teasing or having fun. I'm talking about serious, you know, allegations, um, you know, even you know, accusing each other of not being saved and, you know, just, all kinds of horrendous things. That's not showing love for one another. And if that's the way your family was, I'm sorry, you can right. be healed from it. But, you know, the fact is you need to be healed from it because that's not the way it was ever intended. So we don't have a balance, but we're not even taught a balance right from, you know, going to any major um, school of uh, theology or, you know, Bible colleges or anything. Not that they're all wrong. They're not. We're here to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we have to find a balance in all of this. And we don't have a balance. And I think the first way to find a, a realize is to admit that we do have a problem. And we right. do. We're not loving one another the way we should be. There are many times things that are first brought up that sound just weird, stupid and, and crazy. And we've all experienced this. How do we. So here's the thing. So how do we, are we willing to listen and hear someone out? And then go back prayerfully without judging. Um, go back and prayerfully have more further dialogue with that person. See, a lot of times we 
let our emotions rule everything. And fear is one of the main things. Uh, you know, fear in, in every different direction that it could possibly go to. Fear of what other people would think. Fear of what um, my own reputation if I, you know, stick around this person. Fear, you know, fear of man, fear of just fear of falling into false doctrine. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we end up allowing ourselves to run with emotion. And the biggest one, if it's something that we like to hear, then we're already, you know, willing to hear it if it agrees with our worldview. But if it's something that opposes it, we're not usually too open to hear the other person out or even consider anything because we're letting our emotions get the best of us. We're running on emotions, we're reacting by emotions. We really got to get to a place where we have become pragmatic about everything. You really want to know the truth. You're going to have to set aside your emotions. Don't react out of emotions. React out of logic. React was, out of a desire to find an answer that's real. I was I was once told that uh, it's not really love and hate. It's love and fear because hate is a manifestation of fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the opposite of love is not hate. It's fear. And yeah. And the Bible is very clear that we're not supposed to be fearful. And uh, perfect love uh, casts out all fear. That's right. And if you don't have any fear, you don't have any hate, because <laughs> you fear you things go. you don't understand. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's. And so it's. And again, we're reacting by emotion, and we can't do that. If we really want to find a truth. We have to stay open. And consider that just because, and unfortunately nowadays, you, one person agrees with something that's maybe something that's very dear and precious to you as far as a um, a doctrine or a dogma. Um, boy, you just, you know, you don't want to hear anything more. And because of that emotional response, you're probably never going to come to know something as an important truth mixed in with maybe a false, pre- a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion. But what's yeah. in between is something that's really vital and important. It's a nugget that the Lord says he has He has given everyone the, his grace, but he sprinkled it. And it's so cool how, he, you know, it says that he's literally like sprinkled it out. So he gives a little bit to everybody, but he's done it in a way that we have to come together and we have to work as a team together respect each other, love each other, then instead of seeing uh, and getting ready to argue or defend or debate, oh, debating is so demonic. I'm sorry, it is. Debating is demonic. It has no part in uh, in any of Christian culture. That's part of the Greco-Roman thing that has crept in. Um, debating has no reasonable, movable, way for the spirit to flow it's not dialogue it's a, it's a win-lose situation so whoever can talk the best the truth can be trampled on and whoever can talk the best or out talk the opponent can win even though they're dead wrong just because they're a good orator because they went to school and learned how to debate and learned all these strategies and tactics and manipulation uh, of words and and everything they're they're a gifted talker but that has nothing to do with truth. That's now, right. in the Greek and Roman Empire, this is a way they um, debating was a way to obtain knowledge and wisdom. And I get it. 
when you're excluding the Holy Spirit and you're a natural person, this is probably the, on an intellectual level, which is the only level you're going to be able to deal with. Um, that's the way you do things. But we are above that. We are better than that. We have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We can have dialogue. Dialogue is not a threatening environment. It doesn't have a winner or a loser. It has two people presenting why they believe what they believe, and they're willing to consider one another. And instead, many times the result of dialogue is instead of looking at each other as an opponent, and one has to prove the other wrong, so the other one's right, you look at let us see how we can come together, and iron sharpens iron, and we let's see how they the pieces of the puzzle fit together to describe and enhance one story, not one is right and one is wrong. You know, you're never in the God's kingdom. You're never going to learn that way. What you're going to be is hostile enemies toward one another. This is how come we call each other wolves in sheep's clothing, false teachers, false prophets, and all this other crap that we have no business doing, accusing one another of being. It's because we've let this pagan ritual way of intellectually grasping concepts into the the kingdom of God, and we exclude the Holy Spirit's ability to move and change hearts and be the Lord of a discussion or conversation. That's what, you know, you can argue if you want. I'm not going to argue with you, though, but I know this is true. I know it's true. Love always wins out. Love is what patient, kind, understanding, never self-seeking. What is what is the results of most debates? I hear comments. Oh, he owned him, man. He did it. He just blasted him. Yeah, that's long suffering. That's patience. That's kind. No, it isn't. Even your comments are so worldly, fleshly, intellectually, uh, spiritually void of anything. Just all filled with yourself and with your intellect. You're the winner. Big whoop. Yeah. Really? And the other one's the loser. So who actually learned anything from it other than an intellectual exercise? It, it's, exactly. you know, it's so lacking, man. It's so void of the most important thing, the Holy Spirit. So that is part of the problem. So how do we unwind it? How do we do something different? You don't keep doing the same old thing culturally and wondering what's wrong. That's that is called insanity, and it is. Right. You have to start doing things differently. And well, uh, scripture says that we're supposed to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And and there's there's kind of an earthly um, uh, way of saying that. Rather be quiet and be thoughtful than open up your mouth and remove all doubt. You know. <laughs> and. Uh, and it was real interesting because I and I think this happened maybe in prep for this show um, uh, last weekend. Uh, we, I, we're working with this guy, real nice guy, you know, very very loving individual, and uh, and uh, there was a third person involved that had gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble at work, and and uh, was very remorseful and sorry for it. Well, the, the fellow that you know, the first, the second person I was talking about was uh, very unsympathetic. And, um, and so right away I kind of shut down, you know, I, I do that a lot of times. I, I don't like to answer back right away because then you get into arguments and, and everything else. And so, 
but the emotions that flooded into me were were very strange to me um in, in the way that they flooded in so quickly because i started to think the first thought is am i that way you know instead of you know oh yeah well you're being an insensitive jerk you know it was like boy am i that way you know, and then I had to examine all my actions, or a lot of them anyway. There's no way you can examine all of them, but <clears throat> and um, and I came to the conclusion, yeah, I am that way sometimes. You know, well anyway, a day or two had gone by, and I got a text message, and and the fellow said, you know, he says, are you still mad at me? And I said, well, I was never mad. I was more perplexed than anything else. And and he said, perplexed? What, what do you mean by that? And then we, so we went into this little texting conversation, which actually turned out good. Many times they don't. Um, but I just explained to him, I said, you know, it's, I said, your character is, is always so different that when you were that way, you know, it just kind of really blew my mind. And then it caused me to become circumspect and started to question myself to whether I'm that way, you know, and, and I think that. Well, anyway, everything worked out well. You know, he asked for forgiveness. I asked for forgiveness and everything was great. Um, but I think that a lot of it has to do with pride. You know, like like you were saying earlier with debate, you know, I was right. You were wrong. Uh, you need to apologize. And that causes a whole other uh, bunch, bunch of problems. But um, but if we were just to self-examine ourselves, you know, and one of the scriptures that came to mind, he is who is out sin, cast the first stone, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, how can I tell this guy that he's wrong when I, when I do this myself, you know, and uh, it was, it was really interesting. I've, I've, I've experienced things like that before. And I always call that a Holy, Holy Spirit dope slap, you know, upside the head. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was hard. It was a very difficult thing to go through because not only did I have to examine what was done at the, at the moment, but I had to examine myself too. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, it turned out, it turned out beautiful. <laughs> it really did. Uh, cause he got something out of it. I got something out of it, you know, and, and we both learned about each other and, and the whole nine yards. So I think that that, if that would happen uh, more often between, between believers, especially, but between people in general, you know, um, we're, we're always so quick to think that we're right and they're wrong, but that's not always the case. Um, and, and one of the things he explained to me is that he had a bad day that day that uh, I don't know um, the circumstances because he didn't really explain it to me. But he did say that he had a bad day and, 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 and that helped me to consider and to forgive a lot easier. So, um, you know, in, instead of a debate, we had a discussion. And it was actually a beautiful discussion, too, because it was between two people that really wanted to to really respected each other and really wanted to get uh, the best out of uh, this uh, situation for each other. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I can't really explain the way it felt. It was I, I you know, I, I know you guys have gone through this. You, you, you get into something so deep within yourself, examining yourself that you get quiet and, and, and believe me, when I get quiet right away, people are like, Oh, why is he quiet? Is he mad? You know, then they ask you if you're mad and that makes you mad because you're not mad and they're accusing you of being mad. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, uh, so anyway, you know, it's just, uh, I think if people were just to, to examine themselves more often and maybe these things wouldn't happen. And, um, you know, like, um, we were talking on the phone earlier today, uh, Jesus himself, you know, it's, 
how many times did they try to set him up? And I think we were talking about the cornfield when uh, the Pharisees were like, oh, your disciples are picking corn in the cornfield, you know. And and I think uh, my wife is, uh, was in a conversation and she said, yeah, but what the, a lot of people don't realize is those guys were in the cornfield, too, that were criticizing him. <laughs> so, you know. It's like, okay, you know, you got one finger pointing at somebody, there's three pointing back, the old adage, you know. But um, it's uh, so if the Lord went through it, we can expect to go through it. And, uh, uh, but it doesn't make, make it any easier to go through for, for sure, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, Jim, uh, we, we could tell a thousand stories about how you and I have been defamed and everything over the years. And, and, uh, and don't, don't worry, folks, we're not going to go into that. No. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we, we've had our share of, you know, false accusers and stuff like that. And, and it hurts. It really hurts a lot, you know. And, um, but, you know, if you've got the Lord backing you up, that's the important thing. And that's what we had the whole time. We, yes, it hurt, but we knew that, you know, that he works out all things for the good of those who love him and are, are called according to his, his goodwill. And, um, uh, so we knew that it would be uh, taken care of in time. We just didn't know how long the time would be because you know, time with with the Lord is a lot different than it is with us. And uh, but you know we were patient, waited, and uh, and things turned out to be pretty good. So um, praise the Lord and Hallelujah for that because that was a hard time of our both of our lives. I know that. But um, anyway, so uh, we were getting into. Uh, uh, what was it? The physics of it? I think we were talking about. Did we talk about that today? Yeah, that was about um, the mention of the second chapter of Acts, the day that the Holy Spirit came into mankind. Oh, that's right. The that's first right. time. That's something we're yeah. going to save for later. Or is yeah, that for, yeah. Okay. Uh, a little bit okay. later. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, getting back, uh, you, a lot of you know, a lot of Christians. Um, uh, I, I have found will will defend the the, uh, the Constitution more than they'll defend the Bible, um, and it's okay to defend the Constitution. Don't get me wrong; I, I love the Constitution. I think uh, after Scripture, it's probably one of the best documents that was ever written. Um, but at the same time, if, if you look at the First Amendment, yes, there's a right to free expression or free speech. And okay, well, if a, if a, if something's popular. Let's say, um, oh, let's see. Let's say back in the fifties, you know, it, there was prayer in school. Uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, you, you could talk about God freely and stuff like that. But then things changed, and so with the freedom of speech, or as as the liberals and leftists would call it, um, they would say that well, you don't have the right to say that because. Uh, you know, it offends me. Well, the First Amendment was written to protect offensive speech because back in the 50s, everybody, you know, if you said God, you knew you were talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, that changed in the 60s with the introduction of Buddhism, Hinduism, all the other isms. And um, But it sh- that should have strengthened the First Amendment even more or made it even more valid because people were finding it offensive, but at the same time, the people that were saying it were protected under the Second Amendment. But as as the leftists usually do, 
they're they're able to turn things around and to to pervert the true meaning of of what the First Amendment was all about. And uh, so, uh, in in a like fashion, that w- was predicted would happen at the end of days. Good became bad, and bad became good. And um, so now, good people suffer for uh, an amendment in a constitution that was meant to protect what they were <laughs> had their every right to say. Um, well, so, I've always wondered where the liberals got the idea that uh, the Second Amendment meant that uh, that was for the purpose of hunting. When it clearly says in the Constitution that the militias are uh, should be allowed to have an equal firepower that the military has. Yeah, the second. So amendment, I want yeah. my minigun. I want a minigun. I want a laser cannon. Well, <laughs> the, the argument I always use for that, Jim, is um, <laughs> back in back in the revolutionary days. A lot of people don't know this, but Americans were making their own rifles. They call them the Pennsylvania rifles. And the Pennsylvania rifles were they were where the rifle got its name from because they had rifling inside of them. So when the bullet came out, it had a spin on it, and it was much more accurate than the British bullets that had smooth bores. Mm-hmm. You could shoot if 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 two people, an American and a Brit, were shooting at each other, and they were fifty yards away. The American had a much more chance of hitting the Brit than the Brit had of hitting the American because something that's not spinning while it's while it's moving um, can go all over the place. It uh, right. it can be affected by wind and everything else. So in in effect, we had better weapons than the government of the time. So if they want to use that argument, like you said, I, I'd like to have a couple of um, M16s and uh, M1 uh, Grands, not Grands. Uh, uh, oh, you're you're so ones. modest. I I want the big. I want the fun toys. I want a minigun. Oh yeah, I that's too. Take a step further. Uh, if the government gets a <laughs> rail gun, I want a rail gun too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, and it, it always shuts them up because you know. Okay, well, yeah, okay. If you wanted to have it like it was back in those days, you know. Okay, uh, the Americans had better guns, so the citizenry right now should have better guns than the military. <laughs> so, well, you know, and that, what what I don't understand is how the liberals can put in the idea or the thought that it was meant in reference to hunting. It has nothing to do with hunting. There's not even right. a suggestion of that. You know, they pull out a thin air, but then they'll look at you like, well, uh, prove that. Well, just read the Second Amendment, will you? Equal, yeah. equal to the government. That means equal. That means, yeah, where's my railgun? Where's my, um, I want all the toys equal to what our government has because I'm entitled to it according to the Second Amendment. Um, just, you know, some things, again, uh, you know, are, when they disagree with us, we only go so far in researching and then we don't go any further. Or when we think we found the answer that confirms our thought, you know, I was, I used to always think and I was put into position. And now I understand academics sometimes they some people think they're somewhat snobby or whatever because they um, actually sometimes we refuse to discuss theology to a layperson or what they call a layperson because they don't have a Ph.D. I get it now. I understand why they don't want to. They can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are. I mean, I was put in a position Somebody wanted to uh, challenge me and, and debate me on something. And I told them I couldn't. They wanted to know why. They were insisting, you know. And they said, you're afraid of me. You're afraid I'm going to win. 
I said, oh, believe me, my friend, I'm not afraid of you. No, not at all. I don't take pleasure in making someone look like an idiot. And if right. I debate, I am going to make you look like an idiot. And I don't want to do that. I said, right. I don't even know where to begin how to debate you. Because, and I, and I mean this with all due respect, you're the ones pushing, you want an answer. I'm giving you, I'm going to give you a, a legitimate answer. For right. me to try to condense the years of education that I have in this matter, to simplify that or to break it down, encapsulate it, 10 years, 20, 30 years of research in one uh, statement, I don't even know where to begin with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what your um, level of understanding is here. And for me to encapsulate all of that that took me years and years, I can't even begin to tell you. All I can tell you is I made this video. Look at it. All the evidence is there. If you continue looking all the way through it, you'll get answers to every question that you're asking me right now. I've simplified it. But right here, right now, and especially in front of everybody, no, I cannot and will not do this because I don't take pleasure in having to try to back up and explain to you 30 years of, of knowledge on this topic. Because I, you know, I can't, I can't do it and not make you look like a fool, and right. I don't want to do that. Uh -huh. um, sometimes you have to lose a battle to win a war. When uh, one time in, in Roswell, when we had the Ancient of Days, I think that might have been one of the times when you were there too. A well-known secular, um, and well-known because I'm not going to mention his name. He's on every documentary you ever seen on UFOs. He's got a master's in history, and he made a comment publicly. I was talking about Nazi UFOs, of all things. Uh -huh. He was talking about the Japanese and um, the Nazis. And here he's got a master's in history, and he doesn't even understand what the Axis powers meant and how they were bound together and how they shared technology. He had no clue of that, and he was trying to throw me off. I was getting ready to blast him publicly. He just tried to make me look small. Boy, right back at you here. I'm playing tennis with you, and I'm not kidding you. One of the few times I heard an, uh, the Lord's voice audibly say, no. He uh -huh. did not debate him. He did not want me to make him look small, and uh, and so I didn't. I, ob I obeyed him. I didn't say anything, and uh, I took the brunt of it. I was ridiculed, um, you know, as if I didn't know what I was doing. But that man, now we're talking 15 years ago, that man now is questioning everything he ever thought he knew. And he's dazed and confused. He hasn't got the truth yet, but he realizes that everything that he's preconceived his ideas on are wrong. And he knows they're wrong. And he sees the evidence of it. He doesn't, and he, I think he sees that some of the stuff that we were saying has has truth to it. Now, after the 15 years, now Nazi UFOs is not a laughable topic. You can't turn the TV on without seeing all of the, you know, the technology, the shared everything. So all that knowledge has come to pass and has been shown for what it is, real. So I didn't have to defend myself. But had I made him small publicly like that, he would have never gotten over that. That would have been a stumbling block for him to consider what we did have to say that ended up being real years later. It, it would have been a stumbling block. So we could have, 
won the battle at the time and lost the war for his soul. I think, it, you know, God runs everything so much better if we just listen to the way um, he does it. So basically, the Lord was telling me, shut up and have mercy and pity on this guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm in control and I'm going to bring it to pass. Don't ruin it, Jim. Get yourself out of the way. Get your emotions out of the way. And that's the key to everything is let's, you know, not to react on emotion. Not to react on our own ego. It doesn't matter what people think of us. Um, what matters is what do they think of him right. who leads us. Uh-huh. So, you know, I wasn't going to go here with this, but I think I have to. Cool. Um, this, is, this is interesting. I am... <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. I used to think it was a comedy because it was a bunch of liberals from California and they're trying to um, contend with the, the zombie hordes and, you know, from a virus. Uh, the original show was a bunch of good old boys from Georgia and they knew what to do. It was easy, you know, it was easy for them to take care of business. Um, what impressed me, my kids are the ones that kept saying, oh, dad, it's not what you think. Watch it. Well, <clears throat> What impressed me, because zombie movies was about the last thing in my, you know, area that I even wanted to think about. It's just demonically weird stuff. That, that script is so well written. Um, they have a lot of psychological and cultural things about it that make it very realistic. And it's in a world that the, the zombies are really just a catalyst for a world without rules or laws. How do people act? So you got all kinds of isms and schisms and all kinds of crazy people acting weird. Hey, this is fun. Now we can do whatever we want. Then we have other people that are struggling to maintain some uh, resemblance of civility and and uh, bringing back and restoring some kind of law and order and moral ethical codes. So it's it's a very good study in human nature because eventually someday we might find ourselves in a situation where Laws seem to be turned upside down, inside out. And how are we going to react as individuals? Well, I'll tell you, Fear of the Walking Dead, this last season, season five, is almost, it's almost Christian. It's just amazing. Love and serving is the main feature of everything. These people have felt so remorseful for all the things they've had to do to survive. Now they're looking for a means of why even go on? What is the purpose? You know what their conclusion was? To serve others, to give back love for all the fear and hate that's in the world. Just keep giving back love, giving back love. Even if it's not accepted, just continue giving back love. So they're sharing all their resources with everybody and anybody and, and just going around just serving. It's awesome. It is. It just whether this program realizes it or not, they're using all the biblical principles that God has wanted us to do. And they're doing it as people that don't even know him just because they understand love is the way you fight hate love is the way you fight fear so you just keep loving on people and it'll grow and everybody will begin to start working together as a family working together as a group um i just think it's incredible um and i get emotional type you know i'm an emotional type so i i get tear jerky and and lumps in my throat watching of all things that program because it's just the emphasis is on love, and I'm as I'm watching, I, I'm just I'm thinking of this scripture, that scripture, and all the other scriptures that 
confirm what I'm seeing here is, boy, if we could only get this down, this is where we're going to have to be someday. We're going to have to be motivated by love. If there's any emotion that we have to anchor ourselves in, it's what the Bible defines as love. Just look at the 13th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, and you get a good definition right there. But um, that's where we need to be. You know, when we see, now, you know, some people have said that the gifts were for the apostles in their day, and when they died, the gifts died. Um, that that the scripture references that they have are so horribly taken out of context and doesn't even make logical sense. And the thing is that the Bible says that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. This is the outpouring yep. of God's spirit. So initially in the second chapter of Acts, we see it on a day of Pentecost. We see a time when God's Holy Spirit poured out upon human beings for the first time. And it was described as cloven Tongues of fire. Yeah, we're going to get to it now. It seems like the appropriate time. Hooray. <laughs> this is good. But now, uh, now the, the thing is, well, Eric was one. Eric last week says, Jim, I just feel there's something really important about this scripture. and I don't know what. And he ran it by me. And so we're talking. And I'm going, Eric, man, this is this is dynamite. This is really something. I mean, I've never looked this up in the Greek before, but. As I'm starting to do it even right now, it's, there's so many things that are making sense now that, that I didn't quite understand before. See, there was a time, Dave, when I didn't really emphasize, you know, the speaking in tongues or the gifts are still here for today. I mean, I have a, a, a fundamentalist Baptist background, very vague, but it was a, a, the only background that I had in Christianity growing up as a, as a kid. My parents would feel guilty that they we weren't going to church somewhere. So once in a while they would send us to a church that was just down the road and it was a little Baptist church. So at least I got some idea of the gospel, who Jesus was being born again. You know, I, I got some basic understandings that I would have had otherwise nothing. Um, I was actually raised more with Darwin than I was anything else. But, um, but in all of that, I, I did have some form of a, a foundation, but, <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I understand some people's beliefs, you know, they're told, well, those things aren't for today. And so if you delve into it, it's demonic, it's evil, you can't, you're not supposed to be practicing these different things. But I think now that the days are getting more and more wicked, people are, uh, you know, cancer is like a, a plague. There's other plagues literally that have been going around and people are getting supernaturally healed. And so now even the fundamentalists are realizing that, well, all of these gifts are still here for today, except for that one, that, that crazy speaking in tongue stuff is just, you know, it's wrong. No, it's not. Um, if the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain, we see that the former rain, and I've said this many times before, I said it, it records that the disciples, while walking through the streets, their shadows cast demons out of people. Now, the only thing my shadow's ever done is just blocked the, the light, you know, and made a shadow. It, it, I have never seen anything like that happen in my life. So we're falling short from what the, the early rain were supposed to be greater than even what they experienced. I don't know anybody's shadows casting demons out as they walk by. We're not there, folks. We are lacking. We're greatly lacking. And what are we lacking in? Love. 
We're not loving one another as family. We're not acting as a family. You think I'm not uh, true on this? Put a Calvinist and an um, Arminius together in a room and talk about eternal security salvation. See who beats up, who starts punching each other first. Yeah, I've, it it's, could be either one. It's a 50-50 uh, deal. But most in in the strongest camps of evangelical Christianity, when I say evangelical Christianity, I mean those that, that believe you have to be born again and have that second birth to even understand the things of God. You have to receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. The two main groups divided that the Satan has divided are the Arminius, the followers of Jacobus Arminius, and the followers of John Calvin, the Calvinists. These two camps, on most parts, on a whole, will demonize each other. They will say that the others are totally wrong. They'll refuse to work with each other and go out of their way to attack one another. That's everything contrary to what the Lord has said. Now, these are the two main biggest ones. There's other ones. There's the Trinitarians or the Jesus only. And basically, what does that have to do in the eternal realm of things? Well, when you get to heaven, are you going to see one throne with one embodiment of God wrapped up in one being, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Or are you going to see two thrones with a really old-looking white-haired guy, uh, Jesus, and then a little dove flying in between? You know what? I don't care. When we get there, we'll find out. Personally, I see just one throne. But there's another division. The people will refuse to talk to each other. There's some um, denomination, Pentecostal holiness, they believe you have to speak in tongues or you're not even saved. And so they go around trying to get other Christians saved who are already saved. They just don't understand the tongues part. Right. Waste of total time. Just a total waste of time on divisions that should have nothing to do with anything. I have seen people in the camps of the um, Armenians. Now, all my theological background is... Um, assemblies of God, which are kind of like extreme or rabid um, Armenians, they're the radical ones. Kind of like Iranians are, you know, radical um, <laughs> Muslims. Anyways, um, bad comparison, but but um, they're very passionate about what they believe, and what they believe is absolutely right, and there's no no hope for anything else. So, but basically, I've been a five point Calvinist all my life. Whoa. Now, how could I possibly go to a um, a Bible college of the other camp? Because I learned a long time ago, there's nuggets of gold everywhere. Just open your mind, open your heart. I love the people that were my teachers at uh, Central Bible College. Um, I had a great respect for all of them. I didn't believe necessarily the way they believed, but I could go there and I could glean lots of good stuff. And I'm the man I am today because of the education that they provided me. And I'm forever thankful for it. But I just saw through a different lens on some things. But I didn't let that stop me from being able to glean what was valuable for me as an individual in my Christian growth. Now, if I can do that, I can pretty much fit in, I think, almost anywhere with anyone. Because love overcomes everything. I was able to overlook the things that I didn't agree with. I And I still fellowship today with, with both camps, Calvinists and Arminius. I get along with both, and I can work with both. 
And that's where we all need to start getting in that kind of a place where we can glean what is what can be essential. Just because they're wrong on one, what I might think is one or two issues, doesn't dispel that they have nothing good to offer me. But yet that's what we do. That's what we allow Satan to do. Oh, well, he's off here. He's can't, he can't be reliable on anything else. Well, how do you know until you sit down and consider him, respect that person, love that person as a family member? Now, that's the other thing. I'm very fortunate. I had a mom and dad that were everybody's mom and dad. They were wonderful parents. And if it wasn't for that, I'd probably be suffering Asperger's somewhere, you know, hiding in a hill and, and being all by myself. But they taught an overwhelming amount of love so that even my brother and I were who were polar opposites uh, in many different ways. We had a love and respect for each other. We grew up later and saw how other kids had sibling rivalry. We didn't even understand that. My brother and I never fought. We never um, had to contend our love for mom and dad because they loved us both and assured us with such confidence that we just enjoyed each other as best friends, staying up all night until the, the little Indian uh, chief pattern was on, uh, you know, after the Star Spangled Banner, and then the little pattern shows up on the TV and no, nobody can watch anything anymore. That's way back, you know, right after the dinosaurs. Then, you know, we had that kind of TV <laughs> long time ago. Right. Um, it's just, you know, I thank God that I did have a background in love <clears throat> from parents that when I accepted Christ, it was easy for me to accept his love because I had experienced that. And I realized other people haven't had that fortune. Uh, when I pastored the uh, King's Kids, a motorcycle ministry, some of those people lived in ways that I didn't even think humans could treat other humans with as parents, feeding their kids dog food, keeping them uh, uh, in a basement in their underwear. Nothing to eat. I mean, these are some of the extreme cases of people that I, you know, was ministering and dealing with. Just horrible stuff. Right. So, and my parents, they were, you know, their son was the pastor, but they were everybody's mom and dad. And everybody trusted them. And they they had that capacity to just set an example for the others that never had a father and mother example to reinforce them that, you know, that there is good in the world. Because some people have never seen nothing but bad. So I guess what I'm saying in all that, there's not an excuse. No matter how extreme your background might have been in the past, you were made. Once you said, yes, come into my heart, you were made to be an overcomer. You can overcome anything, everything. God is able to do through you what you can't do for yourself. And that's to forgive and understand the past and be healed from it so that you're no longer a hurting person hurting others. You can be healed, and then you can be a servant to all. And it just means letting his love take over. Now, how is it done in a supernatural way? Man, Eric, you were onto something. Cloven tongues of fire. Whenever, you know, I, I look that up in the, in the Greek, and it literally means to separate. It means to divide and separate, to make a clear path. What are you making a clear path? When you, when, when the first century Christians, not just the disciples, whosoever will, Christians, in the first century, 
had prayed in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. There was a visible fire that could be seen. This was significant as a historical pattern, because anytime God did anything of a first, he would show this visible fire, and it was his way of showing everybody that he approved what was going down, what was happening. Now, some of it was on a regular basis. When the Levitical priests would uh, sacrifice the lamb for whatever uh, atonement, whatever feast or holiday, at, right at the sacrifice, there would be a Shekinah glory. And yes, there's going to be some out there. Oh, you don't know what Shekinah. Yeah, I know. The great ripoff artist has ripped off the idea of Shekinah. Um, and that word is not used in the Bible anywhere. And it is a uh, pagan deity. So it, there is a perversion of it. But it, the idea, though, that there was a glory, a light that burst out. It was a supernatural light. It was non-consuming light. It wasn't light of fire that would burn anything, but it was a light that showed as God's approval that he approved this sacrifice, this time, this time, and this moment. It would go from the inner uh, chamber out to the outer walls of the most out remote part of the um, of the temple, and like rays shooting out the whole public, all of Israel would see it and know that God had approved the atonement. So that was a pattern to be followed, which did follow. But the other thing is that it it happened all the time as an approval. Now, in the first century, <clears throat> this cloven tongues of fire is visibly seen. It's like a little fork-like thing. But I looked up the word in the Greek, and it meant to make a clear path to divide apart and make a clear path. So as these people were speaking in tongues, this was a perfect willed prayer, according to Romans 8. Um, um, yeah, 825 and 6. So the tongues actually made a clear path. Tongues is a perfect willed prayer. This is beyond your own intellectual comprehension. This is a prayer through the Holy Spirit speaking in this crazy gibberish. But as you're speaking it, it's a clear path. It's separating something and making a clear path direct to heaven. So that instantly, God is hearing a communication that is a perfect will of his path. Now, that channel is open to receive an instant answer if you are speaking in tongues. What is it separating? Here's the awesome part. It's separating the left and right of your own brain. It's separating and dividing asunder flesh from spirit. And it's doing it because you're allowing it, because you want it. You don't know the physics behind it, but just because what I think is amazing is this is the physics behind how God moves. For some people like me, just want to know why, why, why. Once you get the physics behind it, you go, wow. I mean, I don't think. I don't think for a minute like Satan did. Well, that's nothing. I can do that. No, I can't. Man, God, you're awesome. How you could figure something out like that. You did this for us. This is so cool. <clears throat> so as, as you're speaking in tongues, it's making this clear path. But what it is doing, it is putting your left and right side of your brain into a nullified state. It's inoperable. Yeah. Neutral. Yeah, thank you. Neutral. It's putting it in a neutral state. 
Well, your right side of the brain is your logic side. <clears throat> side that would be an engineer. Everything is logical and order and has a place and, a, and patterns and, and all of that. That is your, the seat of your logic. The left side of the brain is the creative, the ability to think outside of the box, to be creative, to have imagination. It's the artistic part, but basically it's imagination. So what are the two things that get us in trouble all the time with the Lord? It's our logic and our imagination. Why we can make something really simple that's so hard. We can make it so detailed that we forget and lose the whole point of what is actually being done. So God is being merciful to us. He's nullifying, neutralizing these two things that are sometimes our worst enemy is ourselves. He's putting them in neutral, putting a clear path to God, to God the Father, and then coming down back, we can have an instant answer like that. And folks, for what we are about to approach in these days coming, you're going to need to be spontaneous. You're going to be needing answers immediately and reacting, not sitting there going, Oh, was that God or was that me? Or, you know, it, 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 you, you need to react like instantly. He says, duck, you duck, because there's a little red laser light on your head. And somebody's getting ready to take a shot. So you just don't even think about it. You duck. But if you sit there and go, well, gee, I wonder, should I do that? Is it, is it, was it me or was it God? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Now you can talk to him in person. You, yeah. hey, old. Now, now, God is, you know, God is supernaturally over all of us. But I, I'm just trying to paint a little picture of the importance of being urgent, of being spontaneous. We're going to have to know to do things right away, immediately. Somewhat like uh, Corey Ten Bloom, when she was going through a Nazi checkpoint and she had no papers. She had nothing. And she had, if anything, she had uh, self-implicating documents that she was carrying that should have gotten her killed instantly or shot down. And she prayed, she prayed in the spirit and she believed God for a miracle and asked the Lord to make her invisible. And she just walked right through unchallenged, right through the checkpoint. Nobody even asked her anything. I, I think that right now it's uh, it's probably a good idea to, to, because I know that there's going to be people out there that meditate and are in their Buddhism and are going to, are going to, they're going to, be talking about this shutting the brain off because I've had the chance to to sit outside of Buddhist services at work when I've had to take <clears throat> patients down to the Buddhist services and I've gotten to listen and that part of their emphasis is on you manually shutting off your left and right brain your your brain in total actually and they call it the monkey brain uh, to shut off your monkey brain uh, mm. because because of evolution and things like that so mm. we're not talking about some way of actually sitting there and and humming or or repeating a mantra to that to the point where you're shutting your brain off. No, we're we're, we're talking about something that God orchestrates, uh, and so well, you know that we we do, but God orchestrates. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Well, here's but. a perfect example, Dave, of of something that has a truth sandwiched in between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion, but there's still a truth there. And that is the pineal gland. Right. The pineal gland is actually, when God is activating all of this stuff, he's activating the pineal gland. And it's working in the upper higher functions. It's been right. shown and proven that during a time of um, worship and praise, the pineal gland is highly activated, releasing DMT into the into your brain, up into the higher functions. Now. Right. 
The same thing happens when you're laying hands on somebody and praying them. The same thing happens when you're trying to cast a demon out of people. They've actually registered the pineal gland, had, you know, sensors hooked up and everything, and registered a huge amount of DMT that's being released at the same time. Now, the great imitator will imitate everything. There's a lot of ways to get DMT starting to work. My scriptural proof is found in only two scriptures. I only needed two. One of them is found in the book of uh, Luke. Uh, the the account of the two disciples that are walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> now they were walking with him, and they didn't even realize that it was Jesus. And they're telling you know telling Jesus Jesus about Jesus and death and, and Messiah and all this stuff. Then it says that when they sat down to eat, he opened up their eyes, and they then they saw who it was. Opened up their eyes. In the Greek, the Lord had me look this up. He told me, you know, look at this and you'll understand. And then he went to Ephesians first chapter and I saw the, another one. In this scripture, it was saying that that uh, what Jesus did was he turned on, a pr- he turned back on a prior condition that had been turned off. Right. He turned it on. The prior condition wasn't, you know, prior before their walk with the Lord. They're talking original condition back in the Garden of Eden. He switched something on that had been switched off. You know, the the biggest thing with um, the New Age movement is that they are trying to further instill this innate or partially innate uh, functional uh, thing of it called the pineal gland because they realize that, that in that, comes all the supernatural workings and everything that um, they're trying to attain. So they see it as a part of evolution, that we just haven't reached our full potential yet. The Bible says, no, no, no. This was your former state before you fell. Now I have put the switch off so you don't destroy one another. Right. Now, I was talking to a New Ager one time, and they were saying, well, no, that's, that's not the way it is. I said, oh, really? So you don't believe there's original sin? Well, of course not. Man's basically good, and we're just evolving. That's all. We're getting better. Oh, okay. So can I ask you a question then? Uh, would you say that part of that was the ability to read it in others' minds? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. So if we could all read each other's minds right now in this room, there's about 500 people in this assembly hall today. How long would it take for us to uh, break out into fights? What do you mean? <laughs> he said, well, look at that guy over there. He's checking out this guy's wife. You know, you know, you know, he's not thinking nice thoughts either, right? Huh? The guy looked, you know, he gave me that deer in the headlight look. And I said, <laughs> yeah, gotcha, didn't I? You're right. It wouldn't take but a few minutes and this whole world, this whole room would be breaking out in a riot because everybody would be catching each other's very unclean, unpure heart, um, thoughts. Right. That's sin nature, buddy. We're naturally inclined to miss the mark. We're going to fail because of a fall. He looked. I just rocked his world, man. It shook him up. A little bit of logic. You know, the thing is, sin is blinding. And he blinds the eyes of those that believe not the truth. If you don't believe the truth, you're going to believe very illogical, stupid things. Because that's what the enemy does. But it's easy to unwind and show the pure logic in it. And something like that, in that situation, it did. And it made this guy realize for the first time, wow. Now, so what does that mean for us? Well, it means that if God turned it off, and he can turn it back on. 
and obviously he does if it's turned on when we're praising him and doing other things, then maybe he's the one that needs to control the switch and he knows when to turn it on and turn it off. But if we're trying to do it ourselves, we've become a rebel and not even understood that we're a rebel through our ignorance. We're trying to undo something that God has done for our own protection because we can't handle in our fallen state. We cannot handle that kind of power. Now, as we conform our likeness into Christ, it's Christ in us is the hope of glory. God can trust us and start walking in the supernatural because he gets the glory, not us. We're not self-seeking. We're not self-gratifying. That's the catch to it. The gifts are free. They're for everybody. But how accurate and how fruitful they're going to be depends on how faithful we are to him. And well, I faithful. think one thing that's, that's interesting about the DMT thing, Jim, is that, um, uh, you know, and I agree totally, you know, God is the one that turns it on when God wants to use it for his glory. And I've, I've read a book by Dr. Strassman. I can't remember his first name. It was called DMT, the spirit molecule. Even even a, a phys, uh, you know somebody yeah. a scientist he knows that it's a spiritual thing, but anyway, <clears throat> he was the only one that was given permission by um, oh I think it was the D, DEA or um, uh, one of the governmental uh, bodies that uh, governs those things uh, to actually conduct experiments on people by usually D, uh, the, the the constituents for DMT are Eden and there's two different things. Uh, DMT by itself, if it's eaten, and I think it's Ayashkuya plant, um, if that is given uh, by itself, uh, eaten by itself, it makes somebody very sick, so they have to eat something else that, that counteracts that. Well, anyway, he was given permission to inject it into people's veins, and he has a whole chapter in that book of what people saw when they got where they were going after they were injected with that. Mm. And a lot of it, a lot of the things that they saw were reptilians, gray aliens, um, <laughs> a, a gray alligator woman that, uh, that basically was like the, the mother of the earth and, you know, a protectress of the earth, uh, which, you know, you, you hear about all the time in alien abduction. So yeah, you want to turn it on yourself. You might not be too pleased with what you're going to see when you get, get to where you're going, you know, and, well, yeah. Even the American Indians, they knew certain cactus that could have be an artificial stimulant of DMT. Um, the peyote. The peyote, too, also. The mushrooms, yeah. Um, there are That's many other ways. There are many other ways to get what I would call artificial DMT. In other words, God isn't, God isn't doing it, but there's a way to get, a, you know, doses of DMT through drugs, through meditation, um, and manipulation, but again, you're you're becoming a rebel out of your own ignorance. You don't realize, and the great imitator is the one providing it with you. So, if he's given you an imitation form, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be anything to enhance you. It's going to take you farther away from your Lord. You're being a rebel. Right. I think that's the problem that we now have to begin to understand. But there are some truths of physics, of a reality, in some of the New Age beliefs of sound, light, vibration. All these other things are true. Nikola Tesla understood some of these things as scientific things. The Nazis understood these things as scientific things, so they were extracting and separating the pure physics from the myth. So the myths are the wrong premise and uh, conclusions that are put into a religious connotation. 
Yeah, it is spiritual, but it's, you know, in this connotation outside of God, it's an act of rebellion. It's going to be a spirit of Antichrist. It's going to be a spirit of rebellion to the relationship we're supposed to have with God. It doesn't take away a certain element of reality, but just because something is real doesn't mean that it's real good. Um, We know that stars, the Lord had put the stars in heaven to determine times and seasons. Well, can it actually be right down to every individual's, you know? Yeah, it probably is because we're living in a matrix. Once you understand that, it's not any big deal to realize that you could. But what does God say? Why do you seek the stars and not the maker of the stars? Exactly. Don't go to a middleman. Go to me. I'm the source. I'll let you know what you need to know when you need to know it, not any time sooner. It's not he's playing master puppet master or anything like that. He's playing loving father that's trying to protect us. You don't right. give a kid a loaded gun because the kid's a kid and he's going to do something stupid with it. And, you know, that's all our loving father is doing for us. He's trying to protect us. He's not trying to master or lord over us. But that's how good has turned evil and evil has turned good. We have guardian angels. And they're here. They're sent down here to protect us. We're not uh-huh. to have a relationship with them. We're not to find out their names. The New Agers are saying, "Oh, find out their names and have a relationship." No, the Bible clearly says there's one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. We go to Him for everything. We don't need, you know, what is every angel that's actually been an angel? First, they say, "Fear not," because they probably look a lot bigger and, you know, somewhat intimidating to us because they always say, "Fear not." And then what do right. they say? For I am a fellow servant of the Lord. Right. They're not to right. be looked at. We're not to have be buddy-buddy with them and have a relationship uh-huh. with them. We're supposed to acknowledge that they're there. Thanks for covering my back. And and uh, and that's all. We have one mediator. We talk to Jesus. We ask him. If we need to know anything, we go to him. We don't go to, the, to a middleman or to an angel, which is an agent. We're told that we're going to judge the angels someday. doesn't mean that we're going to sit and impose judgment. That word in the Greek means that we are going to dispatch them to where they need to go. We're going to be their bosses. We're right. going to tell them where to go. So we don't, you know, there's a certain hierarchy. There's a certain order that God has established. Uh, for some to go to the universe and ask the universe anything, it's, that's the middleman. Why not go to the processor? The computer processor is the power source for everything. So why are right. you going to a middleman? Matter of fact, my Bible tells me, and you guys know where I'm going with this, that that I get to tell the universe what it can or cannot do. It doesn't tell exactly. me what to do. I don't have to settle for what it tells me. It's not going to tell me the truth anyway. It's just a stupid program that somebody else wrote right. and somebody else corrupted. Right. So why do I want to listen to you? You know, better yet, universe, how about if I tell you what you can or cannot do? As a manifestation of the sons of God, that's the power that I'm supposed to have. That's the inheritance that I have. That's what I got to be walking with next because we're not ready for what's coming down. We got to be spontaneous, but we have to have the confidence. And having the confidence only comes from a sure foundation. And the sure foundation is knowing the promises that we have so that we can rest in great strength in those promises and exercise authority over the enemy. Yeah, yeah. You look at, you know, getting back to the angel thing, you know, you look at um, an angel came and talked with uh, Joseph Smith. and Look what happened there. An angel came <laughs> and talked with Muhammad. and Look what happened there. Um, you know, so. Touché. Good point, uh, man. 
and, and, and you know it's just uh, it's it's ridiculous. You know, and I did a lot of studies on because um, when Lourdes was alive, you know, she was totally she was like um, uh, so anti-Catholic. It was amazing because she grew up under that. You know, when she got born again, her eyes are open, but. Um, and I'm not trying to slam Roman Catholicism because I do believe that there are going to be plenty of, of uh, Roman Catholics that really love Jesus in heaven. Yep. Okay, but um, the, the whole Mary thing, you know, Lourdes was very, very <laughs> upset. Well, I did a lot of study on it because I figured I want to find out why she's so upset. And uh, so she was getting letters from this guy that was uh, some, there's this entity down in, uh, and I call it an entity because it's not an angel. It's a, oh, it's a, it's a fallen angel actually, but. Uh, and it calls itself Rosa Mystica, and it's um, it's a it's an apparition of Mary. And if you look at the apparitions of Mary, they always start out with saying, "I am a servant." You know, the the entity says, "I'm a servant of God, come to give you a message." And then, as as the relationship continues and it keeps appearing, it starts taking on more and more godly attributes until finally it starts saying, "Well, I want you to to." to to reserve this one day of the of the year and have a festival for me, you know, for me, Mary. And then I want you to I want you to build a statue and I want you to carry the statue around on this day. The statue is of me. Mm. And then she's like, then she's the mediator between Jesus. And then yeah. she she's the one that tells Jesus what to do. And I'm like, you know, so there's there's a gradual progression. Yep. And, and the deception that these these uh, these apparitions, these uh, entities have when they when they come before people, and I, you know, the, one of the most interesting things that I, I learned doing that study is that where I think his name was Juan Carlos, that this uh, that uh, the Guadalupe Virgin appeared to down in Mexico City, um, the very same spot that he that it appeared to him was the spot that an, um, uh, an Aztec uh, angelic uh, woman would appear to the Aztecs. So same same entity, different name, same place. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and uh, and I think that uh, well, I don't want to get off on that because you know I don't I don't want to get into the whole um, Mary thing. That's what we're here for tonight. But um, you know, so you gotta you gotta really be in tune with who's your daddy. Um, yep. and not who's your mommy, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and just, and just be really careful because, uh, and you know, Jim, with the pineal gland, what I found interesting is, you know, you, you talked about the left brain and the right brain turn off. Well, the pineal gland's right in the middle, you know, it is yep. directly underneath the, uh, the two, um, the left cortex and the right cortex and in the middle. Oh, I so, forgot to give the other scripture. Yes. In Ephesians okay. first chapter, it says, um, and I, I hope and pray that your whole uh, mind, body, soul be, uh, that your eyes be open, that your whole, you know, that, that your whole mind, body, soul, open your eyes to understand the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, open your eyes, literally. This was one, it, it just blew my mind. It meant the middle eye, oh. the pineal gland. You know, when you cut, when you do a um, an MRA, you know how they show up like different dissect Yeah, they dissect the brain, basically. When you take the pineal gland, now the, it looks like a pine cone in its natural state. 
seed, yeah. And the secret societies are obsessed with pine cones. Even the Pope has on its staff a pine cone. Yeah, I've seen that before. Pine cones yeah. are everywhere, and it's depicting the pineal gland because it's pivotal to understanding the human mind. So this in the Greek was clarifying or verifying that the revelation came from the middle eye. Uh-huh. Now, when you do a bisection of it, it is, I mean, it's no coincidence. It is the eye of Horus. Right. The Egyptian eye of Horus. This uh-huh. is where Satan is just a great imitator. He created the eye of Horus to be this pagan um, way and method of, of mysticism that sidesteps the order God has established and created his own order, going all the way back even to the Sumerian civilization. But we'll get into that another time. But but the Egyptians through the eye of Horus. And, of course, the whole story of Horus, how it with Osiris and uh, Sirius. I mean, it's just... Um, a gospel presentation that most people in their minds think, oh, see, that predates Christianity, so you just borrowed from Christianity. No, from before the foundation, the Lamb of God was slain. God had this all figured out even beforehand. Satan has gone before and after and overlaid his own thing. In the five eye wills of Satan, that was his plan. He said in his heart to be a rebel, to usurp God. He said, I will ascend into heaven, ascend Allah actually means to copy to overlay. Think about that. Copy to overlay. He's going to copy what God did in the same but opposite and overlay it over the real so that it confuses everybody. And that's exactly what we see in this world that I call Pinocchio world now because it's not real and it wants to be and um, we're not going to let it. Uh huh. And actually God's not going to let it but you know through us we're stopping him. It, right. Go to go to uh, Bright On. Uh, it's where some of my newest uh, videos that were removed from uh, YouTube are on Bright On now, and I'm going to work on getting some more. I got to get my store open first. This, I mean, my museum open first. This is kind of the most top important thing. All the everything else will follow afterwards. And the next thing is to get on more pl- programs. Oh, and I will be back on YouTube. I'm not going to tell you how or when, and I'm not going to post everything that got me off of it, but I'm going to be back on. My main emphasis on the new program is going to be emotionally and spiritually preparing for those things that are ahead. We're going to right. talk. We'll, we'll talk about all the, you know, UFO alien deception, but the primary thing I want to be talking about is who Jesus. I, I want everybody to know their birthright. I want them to start walking in the power and might of the manifestation of the sons of God. We need to do that, and we need to do it soon. You know, the Four Blood Moons is coming up this uh, September 23rd. It has something significant to do with Israel, Um, either very good or very bad. I don't know what yet, but it definitely marked my word. There's going to be something significant um, that's going to pertain to Israel, being consistent with all historical events that's ever happened last. I think was the last one was the um, Six-Day War, where they reclaimed Jerusalem. Right. Right. So this one is something something big. I'm not going to play the guessing game and try to figure it out. I don't know. Well, so I'll have to wait and see. But uh, well, the patterns we'll have to see if there's going to be an increase in UFO activity too, because that usually precedes what happens in Israel. So you know that's yep, so true. Yeah. You know the last words to um, 
I'm a Trekkie. I like Star. Well, I like any science fiction. Well, so recently though, I the way the um, the commentaries are in every every show now has a lesbian gay situation. They're in everything and anything, even the Travel Channel. You can't commercials everything anymore. It's it's everywhere. But uh, right. Um, Star Trek Discovery, the last words were almost haunting. Because the 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 last uh, seasonal episodes was all about time, space, and time travel. Uh huh. Pretty incredible stuff. <laughs> I mean, so much reality there; it's just unreal. The last words were um, in in a story without being a total spoiler. It says that when the future becomes the past, the present is released. Huh. Oh, and that man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. becomes the past. The present is released. Well, the present being released needs to be revealed for what it really is. Do you know when we talk about the apocalypse, we think of all these destructions and catastrophes and everything happening. Do you know that the word apocalypse really means the unveiling? Right. And what's being the veil that's being lifted is we're getting to see the world for what it really is. So we're hearing strange, weird stuff. Man, I remember years ago, Dave, uh, when we got together and we were working, you thought the hollow earth thing was about the weirdest thing you ever heard. But you did keep an open mind, and I think maybe it took uh, five or six years. But now you've seen all the scriptures. You were willing to overrule your own emotional, you know, idea that it was weird. Well, I think the thing that really sold me on it, and, you know, there are scriptures, and I, I you know, I don't dispute them, but... When when we had the earthquake in Japan and, and in Indonesia, oh. <laughs> and scientists said that the earth rang like a bell. And yeah. I know that if you had a solid piece of brass and you hit it, you'd hear clunk. But if you hollow it out, it's a bell. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> well, science you know, is what revealed that to me. <laughs> when I when I lived in uh, Roswell, in New Mexico, the um, the area director there was um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name now. Burleson, right? Burleson. Yeah, Burleson. Um, and he was, you know, he lived in Roswell, too. So he was the MUFON area state director. Nice guy. Uh, and, you know, and I got to say, nice guy in a sense that he misunderstood. He saw me as a guy that's demonizing everything and, and everybody. And so he was almost kind of defending, you know, the possibility of good aliens. And here I am demonizing them all. And that's kind of not fair. So he I wasn't real popular with him, but I respected him because. He was a very kind, considerate man. Didn't know the Lord, obviously, but, um, you know, he was trying to look out for everybody's rights. So I appreciated that in him. But I also appreciated that he was he was very lucid. He was very pragmatic, very logical um, researcher and very articulate. So when he wrote a book about Marilyn Monroe, being killed for knowing too much about UFOs and and uh, I just thought that was kind of that was weird. But being that it was him and I already knew him as a person, I thought you know this sounds really wacko doodle. But um, I'm going to read his book. I'm going to give it a chance. I got it in my museum. I got I got an autographed copy of his book in my museum for loan, so that you can borrow it, read it yourself. I'm telling you, the guy was pretty accurate in in everything that he wrote. Um, it's mind blowing. But then again, everything is all interconnected. 
And so it's part of the museum. I'm trying to introduce everybody to the fact that we are living in Pinocchio world. It's not even real. It's a projection of what Satan hopes to become real. Once you understand the two slit experiment, and I've got a, I've got a video that actually simplifies um, quantum mechanics to a point where you can actually understand it. It's not, it's, it doesn't have to be rocket science. There is a simple way of putting it. And God's always using word pictures to make complicated things simple. And I'm trying to do that in the museum. Um, Jim Morrison is another one. Um, the bass guitar player for uh, um, Iron uh, Butterfly. Yeah. These guys are all connected and all met their demise because they ended up knowing too much about UFOs and were willing to talk. That sounds crazy, but you never heard that one before. Uh-uh. They're all they're all there though. Uh, Jim Morrison's daddy was in the Air Force intelligence. Guess what he was uh intelligence over? Uh let me guess, Project Blue Book or Well, what? he was after Project Blue Book. So officially it didn't exist. But they were doing still doing research and study and monitoring of all UFO uh stuff and was aware of the so called alien presence, which we would call being in harmony with fallen angels. Um so Jimmy was putting all this in his songs. The crystal ship, this is the end. Oh, right. man, it has a whole new meaning when you find out that Daddy was a UFO uh, Air Force investigator. Um, he was getting ready to spill some real stuff on his up-and-coming album. And at 27, he's in the list of the 27-year-olds that sold their soul to the devil and died at 27. Um, right. right. That's another one. You know, he, he made the wrong deal with the wrong entities, the wrong people, and, you know, he uh, didn't make it. didn't work out too well for him. Either did for a lot of others, but uh, the bass guitar player for Iron Butterfly, you know, it's another thing. You know, they, they their album was supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. They were so blasted that all they could, uh, they had the airtime already paid in advance. They had to be there at that time. They couldn't redo the time or anything, so they had to do it. So they did it as is, so blasted. They just the best they could do was it got a Davida. So that's the way it, it ended up being. The lead guitar player went on to finish his education, got into a private sector working on cell phones, and produced a formula to send cell phone waves faster than the speed of light. <clears throat> he uh, apparently, towards the end, found out a bigger picture to all of this, was mentioning things to his relatives about light, sound, vibration, Nikola Tesla, uh, UFOs and aliens and stuff like that. Um, the reason I know this for a fact is because I uh, had heard this. And so I suggested that on his way to the press, he was going to divulge all of what he knew. And he decided to, to uh, fall off the mountain with his van in, uh, in California and uh, commit suicide. Mm. So um, what really happened was that I put this in one of my videos alluding to the fact that it's because he knew too much and he was actually being a hero and wanting other people to know the bigger story to all of this. And he was taken out. Well, his relatives contacted me and they were very upset. They said, no, he went insane towards the end. He, you know, the government didn't take him out. He went crazy. 
I said, well, what do you mean he went crazy? Oh, he started talking this crazy talk about sound, light, and vibration, and Nikola Tesla, and UFOs, and aliens. I said, thank you very much. You've just confirmed everything that I had suspected. I said, your, your relative did not die as some nut that committed suicide. He was a patriotic human being that cared about his country, that cared about people, and was willing to risk his life. And he died because he was bold enough to want to speak out and let the truth be known that we were involved in some pretty nasty, weird stuff. Uh And he saw the picture. And you just verified it for me, because everything that you said has truth to it. It's not craziness. It's reality. So they weren't real happy with me, but but they were silent. They didn't say too much after that. And I, I, and I thanked them that being after what they told me, it verified everything that I knew to be true. Well, you got through to them. You know? I hope so. <laughs> well, in time, you know, I think now, now, now I mean, this was, uh, you know, uh, maybe 15 years ago, uh-huh. 12. I don't know. It was it's a long time ago. Um, it's been a while. It's been a, over a decade at least. I, I know that for sure. Um so, yeah, this is common knowledge now. This stuff is coming out everywhere in all kinds of movies and films and, and everything. And that's part of it. They they have to speak out the things they're going to do before they do it. And then they also speak out an affirmation what they've already done. Now, the problem with that, just like symbols, you can see symbols all over the place. And symbology is there. And again, some of these symbols are declaring what they're going to do. Some of them are affirming what they already did. Now, if that's all your focus is, I'm not kidding you. The conspiracy, a lot of the conspiracy people, the reason why they get so obsessed and intense is because they're out of balance. They haven't got a balance in their life. You need all of that stuff that you see, the symbology, you need to have that lined up with the word of God or you are going to be lost. You are going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be the coop nutcase that's just so... Um, it'll drive you crazy because you don't, you're getting a mixed bag. You don't know whether these things are coming or going and it's going to make you that way. So that you don't know whether you're coming or going. Your only balance is lining it up prayerfully with the word of God to rightly divide what it has been and what will be or what already has been and what will be. And right. you're not going to know the difference and it's going to drive you crazy. Oh, what, what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Go. I was going to say one of the things that I found, um, I just finished a book called um, Transformation of America, and it's trance, um, not trans, but um, and it's written by Kathy, Kathy O'Brien, and she was uh, MK Ultra uh, subjectee and, and everything else. And it's uh, one thing I caution people about reading things like this. Now, I believe every word that that woman wrote in that book. I really do. And um, but. When you read it, it almost gives you the air that this thing is so deep, so vast, and so wide that it will never be taken care of. I mean, I applaud Trump for everything he's done, and but and I hope that he is aware that of, of how deep and wide this swamp is. Oh, he's fully aware. I, he, yeah. I know. He knows. He knows it. He knows what he's up against. He could – the whole infrastructure would collapse. It's so corrupt. But he has to peel it off layer by layer. Little bit yep. by a little bit. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, that's a, but when I when I tell people about this book, I say, you know, you really have to be prepared to read it because once you get to the last page, you'll lose hope. You know, you'll lose hope that Trump is ever going to be able to do it, 
And you might even lose hope. You might not lose hope, but realize that, hey, we're so close to the end that this thing's never going to be fixed and that um, it's going to lead to the final return of Jesus, you know. And, and if it does, that's great. But um, uh, at the same time, you know, you, you walk around kind of for a couple of days like a zombie, um, no pun intended, and, and, you know, <laughs> thinking, my goodness, you know, where's the hope? Where's, you know. If it's going to happen, why doesn't it just happen and we get it over with? Because it's 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 so um, you see all the wickedness and and how high up it goes and and you start you know I could see where some of these people like the, the people you just described you know um, you know how they they feel like there's no escape that uh, you know if they reveal something that somebody's going to get them somewhere sometime you know you know Dave when that book first came out I started to read it. And I wasn't ready for it. I couldn't. I, I started reading it and I put it down. I thought, this is trash. This is utter garbage. No way. Right. And I just wasn't ready for it. Um, after Pizzagate and all these things, and then after what I discovered in my own state in Michigan here, oh, my gosh, it's all real. Yeah. You know, it took me. I mean, uh, we're talking over a decade. It took me to come to a point where I realized, my God, it's all real. But I came to it because I was, again, willing to, I wanted the truth beyond anything else, beyond my emotions, beyond, and it did, it did seem overwhelming. But, you know, everything I've experienced, I mean, I, I have, I have overcome death and threats and the bike ministry and the, everything I ever experienced in the bike ministry just prepared me to be who I am today. I mean, it was just on the job training. So, sure. I had a background that was maybe not as much as others might have had, having put my life on the line for the gospel and seeing God supernaturally deliver me. Um, even growing up in Brightmore section of Detroit, I mean, after that, no place on the earth is scary to me. I'd already been in the scariest place. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, but again, it was just all preparation. It's like I, I have a, I have a solid relationship with the Lord, I have his promises. And from the promises, I have a great strength to overcome. And I don't have uh -huh. that fear. I've learned the biggest secret. I've learned to get me out of the way so he can do what I can't do, love my enemies. That's the biggest secret right there. Just, you know, humility is not a feeling. Humility is an act of your will because the Bible says God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. I don't want to be resisted and I need all the grace I can get. So if the only way I get grace is to be humbled and that's not a, that's not a feeling. That's an act, a conscious act. If yeah, we all could true. get more and more in that place and realize all we need to do is get that cloven tongue and just get a clear path to God and, and a clear answers by getting ourselves out of the way. Everything else, everything else can happen. Just get yourself out of the way. Apart from God, I can do nothing. I have to put my intellect, my talents, everything else at his feet and say, without you, I can't do anything. But with you, all things can be done. So let you, let you have that clear path to go through me. Just let me get out of the way so you can do what you need to do through me. Right. That's where the great strength comes in. That's where the, the um, lack of fear, lack of anger because you have confidence in his love. 
God, it sounds so easy and it's so doggone hard sometimes because <laughs> we're living in this crazy <laughs> virtual nutcase world. Blunderland yeah. is a good name for it. Blunder. I looked at blunder, what it meant. It's meant um, the result, um, the results of a foolish mistake. Yeah, yeah, that's a foolish mistake. It's back in the Garden of Eden, and now we're living the results of it. Yeah, I'd say that that's Blunderland. Mm-hmm. So, Pinocchio world, Blunderland. It's just you know, it's it's incredible. We're living in an altered parallel dimension and once you understand that everything else starts to make sense that's why the lord says don't build your treasures up here on one hand the world you know is going to be destroyed by fire on the other hand the world's going to endure forever no end okay so which is true so you know so you go okay so which is true well if you're on the outside trying to look in you can't understand we're talking about two different worlds because we're talking about two different parallel dimensions and guess what right now we're stuck on the wrong one we belong over the other one but you yeah. got to have a ticket to get across the bridge first you got to realize there is a bridge then you got to have your ticket your ticket is the holy spirit holy spirit yeah. gets you to cross the bridge that jesus made when he came and died for you mm-hmm. i mean when for us to get set free god has made it so simple that even a child can understand it everything else when he says to study to show yourself approved i mean yeah you got to study Oh, there's a scripture, though. So misconceived. Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. We've always been taught that that is some kind of a thing where you you study to know uh, God, know his word, so that when you're asked a question, you're not going to look stupid and you'll be you'll be approved. God will be happy that you had an answer. Basically, that's what we all are taught and understand about that scripture. Right. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric, would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree as well. Yeah. But yet, you know, you look up the two words, um, approved and uh, uh, ashamed. It rocks the whole thing into, into, in a proper perspective. Approved, literally, in the Greek, means to be made useful. So how do we get made useful? Getting yourselves out of the way. Letting him make you usable. Like getting yourself out of the way and letting God do through you what you can't do yourself. And uh, the other word, um, ashamed. It doesn't mean that you're going to look stupid because you don't have the answer, if you don't have the answer. It means three things. Three variations to this word. It means to not be, it, it means to be, to have hope. To have a firm foundation and to exercise authority. You think about it, that's the three things. To love God is where your hope is. Your foundation is knowing the promises that He has for you. The confidence right. comes from great strength because you have the other two. You have a firm foundation and you know what God's will is, you know where His direction is. You know his mind. It's all about relationship, not intellect. It's relationship. God is going to make himself useful to you because you have hope, because you have a foundation, and you have confidence to exercise authority in his name, to be the manifestation of the sons of God. You're telling the universe what it can do and what it cannot do. You're telling 
everybody in the name of Jesus walking as his child, as his son in the supernatural. Coming against everything that the enemy throws, you become an overcomer, even if it means sacrificing your life. You do what the right thing is to do because it's the thing to do. You don't figure out the end. You don't figure out how it might play out. That's God's job. You let him do it. The opposite of that shirt says, um, kill them all, let God sort them out. For us, pray for them all, let God sort them out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's our solution, man. It sounds so darn simple, but you know what? The thing is, we got to stop talking about it and start doing it. Mm-hmm. Let's just get ourselves out of the way. That's true. Then it becomes yeah, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd say most times. <laughs> sometimes. Most times. So the Bible, that's why the Bible says, these are the signs that follow them that believe. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. They'll cast out demons. Then it goes into the thing about the lift up serpents. And that doesn't mean to go pick it up a Texas sidewinder and and play around with it or anything. Picking up serpents means that you will detect and know something that's good or something that's evil. And at discernment, you're going to know how to deal with it. That's just, that's all that is, discernment, knowing the good from the bad. And, you know, you were telling me um, earlier that you had a very gracious individual that had all the fruit of, of mercy and grace uh, that was saying something about our last show that he understood there was some really good things there, but understood also there was some things that were not comfortable to him either. And uh, But the way he said it, he was very graceful. And so it was easy for you to be able to pick up on him and and have a great time of fellowship and dialogue about the whole thing. Now, I had a similar thing happen to me. The guy was very graceful, very, I mean, mature in the the way he was talking. And I he won over my confidence and I thought this was great. Then I saw a pattern of what he was doing. He was launching off his own um suggestions and thoughts once he won confidence in me he was using my uh facebook page as a launch to start putting seeds of doubt into people's uh heads about trump well you know me that's not going to fly on my on, on my thing i'm totally sold out to trump is being used by cyrus i watched the uh program on amazon prime on the story of um mark taylor um my gosh i I was in tears because his calling was almost exactly how I got called into all of this. I just saw it. it was through a lot of fasting and praying. It found him. He didn't look for it. The same thing with me on, on this. And it was just uh, incredible. Um, so I asked him about it, and he didn't give a comment. Uh, and then I went on his page and looked. He makes videos calling Trump the Antichrist. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, he's not. <laughs> no, um, I, and I warned him. I said, dude, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. Oh, he's on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> exactly. Tracks, but, river, but I've, I've noticed there's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know what this person, if he has any position of leadership in a church or not. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I've noticed a distinct pattern of people that are in high levels of leadership within churches that 
share the same opinion as the individual you just mentioned. Right. And they're almost venomous about it, to be honest with you. Um, so. It just well, he was. When I, when I went on his page, I saw yeah. the things that he was saying, the language, everything. It was just, it was, yeah. it was crude, rude, and lacked anything of, of mercy or grace uh, whatsoever. And, and, to me, you know, you can say the right things. Uh, he was a silver-talking, you know, sweet-tongued, you know, uh, deal. Silver he knew how to, devil. yeah, silver-tongued yeah. devil. He he knew how to talk. He knew what I needed to hear, and I did. But the thing is, you got to follow up with actions. And when your actions start getting stinky, I'm I'm going to start researching and check you out. And then when yeah. I checked him out, I go, oh my God, no. You know what? Matter of fact, you've said enough. I not only unfriended him, I blocked them and banned them from ever saying anything again anywhere. So, you know, I'm just done with them. It's just like, no, you're not going to come in here and start, you know, that kind of crazy crap. And, and the same thing with other stuff. If people want to make it divisive and want to um, try to use my place or my, you know, Facebook page to launch off. You know, they look on there and they go, oh, gosh, this guy's got almost 3,000 people following. Okay, well, I, yep. you know. I got something to launch off on that. No, you don't. And I won't let you. I've been around right. the block too many times to, to understand that stuff. It's just, you know, some stuff sounds maybe crazy at first, but if you keep pushing forward and pray and praying and praying and asking God to confirm, you know, um, what was the one thing? I mean, just within the last three or four days, Dave, when you first told me you were doing a program with, um, oh, Ralph. Ralph, yeah. Uh, and he was saying that we were the only ones that had the capabilities of launching a nuclear strike. I go, what? That's that's wacko. I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, Ralph has said a lot of other things that, that uh, I always thought was wacko, too. But when I listen to him and some of the, the abilities that I have to connect dots, my knowledge of history, I can't argue with anything he's saying. Well, I mean, I I think it's pretty safe to assume that uh, there's probably plenty of nations that have nuclear weapons, but maybe maybe they don't have the, uh, you know, the facilitating, you know, rocket system to be able to project it. Um, Well, there's there's serious questions that you have to ask. Why has nobody else gone to the moon? Right. Why? You know, and the other and the other thing. Just in a matter of a couple of days, Dave, since you told me that, and I'm pr- I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, what do you, you know, Ralph's a pretty sharp guy. I don't think he'd say something. I mean, that one really sounds like crazy to me. What do you say, Lord? After that, that's my prayer life. This is what I ask God. And then two days later, I think it was, I hear about um, two Russian submarines that have gone off to the Arctic Circle mm-hmm. to launch off ICBMs. Why? Apparently, they're practicing. They know mm. something's up, and they're practicing to see if they got a delivery system yet or not. Right. And then there's a flotilla of this huge. It's actually just a, a walking um, nuclear lab. It contains everything, all the components and everything for uh, missiles and for um, um, creating varieties of, of nuclear type delivery systems this huge boat i mean this boat is like a monster ship uh uh just gigantic 
and it too is headed off to the North Pole. Now, first I thought, you know, opening to Hollow Earth, maybe it's got something to do with that. And maybe it does, I don't know. But the thing yeah, is, they seem to be too. they seem to be experimenting on a delivery system that they probably don't have yet, and they're trying to develop. Uh-huh. And of course, they're going to go there because then, you know, that's a no-reflected splate zone. I mean, if you're going to go to an area that's going to be secret, nobody else is going to know, that's where you go. Right. <laughs> of course, everybody else does know. I mean, you know, if this is true that, and there's just so much logic behind that. And mm. there's evidence, historical evidence. Why has no one else ever gone to the moon? Only the United States. Then I run into that other thing I, I told you guys about. Uh, it was apparently a British. Now, it was a British space capsule that was actually put in space in 1957, way ahead of everyone. And apparently they got some of their knowledge from the Germans, from paperclip scientists. Um, But not the paperclip scientists, the ones that they were able to get, you know, after the war. But before the war was over, the KVG had already planted one of their top agents who married him. And so this guy's up in the capsule because he was a test pilot all throughout World War II. He's in in a capsule. He got thrown off. It was all experimental, first man flight, 1957. He was thrown off course. He went over Russia, and then he was convinced with his wife, the help of his wife that he was actually thrown off course again, and now he was over America. And so he knew America was friendly. So they got him to believe that he would alter his course and land at a certain spot. He was going to be okay. What they did was they set it up to collide with a, an a American experimental capsule that was already up there. Made it crash, and he was actually still over Russia. And they oh, crashed. Wow. They crashed the capsule in a safe area where they could recover the capsule and knew that he was going to die. He wasn't going to make it. Uh huh. So they got the capsule. So they've been trying to work on their own, you know, back engineering that thing. But still, again, right. you know, okay. So they got to be the first in space in a capsule, but they still never went to the moon. Mm-hmm. We did that first. It's uh, there's just a lot of you know a lot of questions there that were never answered. That all of a sudden Ralph comes along and says, "Here's the answer. Here's how you fill in the dots." And mm-hmm. when I prayed, I asked the Lord, and within you know two or three days, I find all this information. I do not think that is a coincidence. The longer I follow the Lord, the more I trust in my prayer life and my relationship with Him, the more He shows me quick, fast answers that. Well. Our, you need to pray now about if we really went to the moon. <laughs> yeah, I, that I'm pretty sure we did. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you, know, you know what, Dave? Yeah. And I'll tell you. I did that. There were a lot of people that I respected and I liked. They kept telling me about a flat earth. Oh, yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to look at this objectively. I'm going to see if I can see what they see. Mm-hmm. And again, it's on their part, it's a failure to understand Eastern, the Eastern mindset, knowing right. Pardis, knowing the Hebrews, how they wrote things. They are armed with a interlinear or um, a, um, a Strong's Concordance. Right. They look up something until they see, aha, see, fixed and immovable. I'm right. See, I'm right. And they're so convinced that they got half of the knowledge 
They don't look further. Me, I'm right. not like that. I want to know if I'm if I'm looking something up, I'm going to now before I understood Pardis, I could find things only because I looked every word up. If it was a whole chapter I'm doing, like in the 38th chapter of uh, Job, I look up the whole doggone thing, every word, and I do right. it like a word puzzle. Well, I can find it because I'm looking that way. But you know what I'm talking about, what a prepositional phrase where there's the, um, where they use the same word as a noun and as a verb to overlay, so one is defining the other. But right. you don't know that if you don't know how the Hebrew mind works. But if you uh -huh. look up every word, you're going to find it anyway. But right. these people don't. They look, aha, got it. See, proves it. Yeah. And they're not, look at the other word, goofball. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, the other word says rotating and orbiting. There's mm -hmm. a rotation and an orbit that will not be, that is fixed and will not be removed. Uh-huh. Right. See, you got half the story. So where do I tell, where do I possibly begin to tell you when your awareness level, your educational level is so below anything that I could even encapsulate to you, I can't do it without, without making you look like a moron. So you know what? Yeah. I won't argue. I'll, I'll make my one video. I'll refer you to that. If you have the patience to actually watch it, all your answers will be, uh, all your questions will be answered. If you don't, it's on you, dude. I have it. I didn't right. want to do it publicly, but you can look at it if you want. If you don't want to, then you're willfully ignorant. And you'll suffer of what a willful ignorant person is going to do. Fall short. That's exactly right. God has for you. It's not that I'm telling you. I'm just not going to cram it down your throat. Mm -hmm. It's there for you if you want it. And if you don't, okay. I can't make you drink the water. I can lead you to it. That's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. I looked at it objectively. And the more I dug into it, the more it was just crazy. Then the more I started researching the researchers. How many people bother researching the researchers to see Very who they few. are? And not then you many. find out. Then you find out they're all Islamic imams pretending to be Christians or pretending to be, you know, uh, secular researchers dishing out all this goofy crap. Why? Because Islam is the only people group on this planet that demand their followers believe the earth is flat or they're less than an infidel. Yeah, right. That's a fact right. check. So what are these people doing? They're doing cultural jihad. They are messing up and mixing up everybody's uh, conception of cosmology, throwing it way behind. Obviously, there's there's no um, extraterrestrial threat. Obviously, there's no um, uh, colonization of the stars or anybody that ever went to any moon because there is no moon. There is no stars. We're living under a dome of a flat earth, and there's pinpoints of light, so there are angels looking down. My God, one major um, uh, watchman is even telling us that there are angels looking down at us. I, I said, oh, my gosh, you've got millions of people following you. And that's the kind of, you know, you're a plant, man. Nobody can be that stupid. You're right. a plant. And the rest of them are just gullible. They're just they're. It's not even their fault. They're they're only half equipped with half knowledge. Mm -hmm. And. For me to try to play catch up with them to bring them up to par, I can't, you, you can't do it. Not without coming off very condescending. So why bother? It's well, a lot of it has to do with, you know, you, with that kind, you just pray that the Lord helps them to understand. It's, it's, it's fruitless. You know, they're not going to listen to you because of their pride, but you know, some, I've always said this about people, you know, there's, there's some children that, 
you just have to look at them and tell them no. There's other children, you have to look at them and you have to say it a little louder. There's other children. Now, this, now this is when I was growing up, not now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's some uh, that are like me. You're not gonna, they're not gonna believe you until they touch that burner and find out, wow, that's hot. Right. Wow, yeah, or, or your dad, or your dad got the belt out and proved to you that you were wrong, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so everybody's different. You know, some people, you know, believe the truth real easily. Other people, you know, they want to believe what they want to believe until um, they're either embarrassed uh, by somebody that's way more intelligent than they are. Uh, there's some people that are even worse than that. And the only ones that can get through them are, are is the Lord God, you know. And, um, and then he has to sometimes really bring the, um, bring the paddle in, you know, and, uh, and then there's other people that just are into it for their own, their own self-worth and notoriety and, and seeking attention. And they're, they're, even if they did get it, they, they would, they wouldn't admit to it because they, first of all, they'd have to admit that they're wrong. And second of all, they'd have to quit. They wouldn't sell any more books or produce any more videos or, you know, or, or anything like that, you know? So, uh, and we've, you know, we've run into all kinds of people like, like in all those categories, you know, and it's, um, it's just a shame. It really is. But, uh, you know, the Lord was right. when he said, you'll know, a, a know a person by their fruit, a tree by yep. the fruit that it bears, yep. you know? And, uh, some trees can pretend, you know, some trees pretend to be apple trees, but, uh, you know, and they flower just like apple trees and everything else. But when they, uh, you know, yeah, crab or, apples. Yeah, crab <laughs> apples, or or or, or cactus bearing, uh, you know, or or apple trees bearing cactus flowers, you know, or something. You know, it's uh, it's it's really a shame, but it's it's a fact of life. So that's why we're to test all spirits, you know, to see if they're of the Lord. And uh, there's some cunning ones out there, you know. You'll ask them, you know, okay, well, do you believe Jesus came in the flesh? And they'll you know, they'll kind of beat around the bush and try to convince you, you know, that, that they do, but they're they're using double speak, double talk. Yep. Or, or did the 1904 call it new speak? New you speak, know? yeah. I'm reading that again, by the way. That's a really good book. <laughs> I love that book. So that, uh, book. that book stuck with me after I read it. It just uh, um, kind of haunting, you know, almost like it had a spirit upon it or something. It was just kind of... Kind of haunting, and things to come was another one. Um, H.D. Wells, things to come. Yeah, that was a movie, but that I mean it was. Well, it was actually it was a movie made from. I watched the movie. I didn't. I never read the book, but the movie was very prophetic. And I've got Brave New World. I'm going to start after this one. So now that one I haven't read since I was in high school. That was required. Same Brave here. New World was actually required reading when I was uh-huh. in high school. Yeah. What's funny is back then, 1984 was almost like a futuristic thing. Now, it, now when you're reading it, you're trying to see, okay, who, what, what recent political figure yeah. is the man <laughs> in the black mustache? Yeah. What, yeah, you know, and uh, the thought police and everything else. My goodness, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, he was. Sometimes you know you, you wonder if Orwell was a time traveler, you know. I have wondered that, you know, I wondered if he could be one of the plants that I do believe that there are 
intrusions through our timeline where seeds have been planted for that exact purpose to steer us in a certain way or even tell us, you know, I mean, where, you know, that one movie, um, uh, what was it? Uh, the yesterday machine that had, there's something weird about that one. I mean, it, it literally is a story of my trip down to Stevensville, Texas. Right. Right. And, I mean, right down to my name and everything. That's just, that's, that's not, you know, I'm not reading something in. I'm looking at what's there. And it's uh-huh. an exact story of everything that I had happened to me when I went down to investigate the Stevensville lights in yeah. a year after it had happened. And, uh, my gosh, everything to the police chief. And, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just too much. It, it, I remember I said this to one other, uh, Watchmen. They they said, "Nah, yeah, Jim, you're just reading too much." No, I'm not reading anything into anything. No, it was. Uh-huh. It was I, didn't this, I didn't make this movie in 1963. I mean, I, you know, I was 14 years old, 13, right. 12, 12 years old. Come on, no way. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. What did you say, Eric? What's that? Oh, I thought you said something. Oh, I I said uh, that movie was spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spooky spot on. Yeah. And, and the thing is that I didn't even know that movie existed until after I had gotten back. It was a couple of years after I got back from Stevensville, Texas. Well, didn't someone point it out to you? Um, you know, how did, how did I uh, find it? Right. I think what happened, somebody asked me about, the, they either asked me about the movie or I came across it and I'm wondering, hey, here's one on time travel I've never even seen. Well, how did I not see this one before? Well, let's check it out, man. Now, I, I knew it had to be because I mean I even like B-rate movies. This was this was a cheesy, you know, B-rate movie. Um, but and then when I watched it, I was just I'm going, my God, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. At first, my first, I'm just I'm not even getting it. You know, I'm going, huh? Wow, that sounds like what happened to me. It's pretty cool. Then when I was you know, really breaking it down. I'm going, my gosh, this is exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking the date, 1963. And then the Lord says, and what was the other significant date? Well, 1945, when, when they escaped. Add right. 1945 and 63 and see what you come up with. 2008. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that's the year of the Stevensville lights. Right. And yeah. then says, that's no coincidence, Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's when I heard the Twilight Zone movie. And so I broke it down, each little element, and I made the video about Stevensville lights and then about the movie. And then I caught the real clincher when the news reporter, I didn't catch that before. When I was doing all of this, then I caught uh, the newspaper reporter back in the very beginning when he goes into the boss's office, the boss is giving him an assignment. He says, oh, come on in, Jim. That's what I, oh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? The reporter's name was Jim. So, you know, so then, you know, meeting um, um, Pastor Steve Upshur at, uh, at um, uh, Peacemakers. And he was telling me, he says, you know, what's crazy, man, they even got a movie out that is almost exactly what happened to me at, uh, in Guthrie, Oklahoma at the lake. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so 
he went ahead and made his own documentary, had his own doctors and everything re- redoing it. But um, I saw the movie, Now the Lake. You can't find that movie anywhere. You can only use uh, Victor- Vic- Vic- Veronica or Victoria, whatever the actress's name is. The kid that played in... Um, um, because it was a major, it was a major production. They used big actors. Uh, one of the guys, one of the, the young boy was still a boy in this movie. He was the one that saw dead people all the time. And Bruce Willis, oh, yeah. um, what, yeah. whatever that movie was. Bruce Willis, yeah. Yeah, he was. He well, he was in the kid was in this movie too. Huh. And uh, it it's it's almost a mirror image of everything he went through. So it's. So I think what we're seeing is not that we're some special people or anything, but this is a pattern they're using. Probably for a lot of the different Watchmen, there's movies out there that are depicting and warning who we are and what we know and what we're doing. Right. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to take us out. Obviously, it didn't work for them. I'm still around. I'll still be around. But, um, you know, it's just their way. I, I, I don't know the all the purposes for it, but it it's definitely... Uh, interventions that have been all all throughout it's a definite pattern so it's not that we're special or anything it's probably just a pattern that uh, exists for everyone who knows maybe right. there's one for you and uh uh dave one for you eric uh yeah maybe we just, have, we just haven't found a movie yet maybe you haven't made it yet or maybe you know lived lived the thing and then it'll be found i don't know who knows yeah i'm not sure on the mechanics on all of that stuff but there's patterns. I mean, even look at that. Look at the cartoon in in all the cartoons. They're in um, um, all that dysfunctional cartoon family. What the heck? The, um, uh, family Guy. No, that one's Park. First. Um, what's the one with Barton? Oh, the oh, Simpsons. Simpsons. Oh, the Simpsons. Yeah, okay, the Simpsons. Look at how. Um, the sign falling and Trump going down the escalator. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't make that up. That's, no, that's got to show you something is that was there long before he did that, but yep. But, it, but it was almost identical. So, I mean, the pattern is there for, you know, not just one or two people. When that right. one gal was telling me some things that she knew and I started realizing, wait a minute, I just, I saw a movie about that. So I asked her about it, and she says, well, yeah, they made a movie, and there's also um, uh, some DC comics made about my story. So she sent me copies of it. Now, you got to understand, this woman has been through her dad worked with paperclip scientists. He used her as an experiment in the MKUltra experiments. And had her mind fractured off, as they say, I say, you know, multiple demonized uh, things. So I kept all of the all of the emails that she sent me. And one email she sends me and she says, you said there was a movie made of me. I, I didn't know that. Um, can you tell me more about it? Can you give me a link to it? Okay. Hmm. Other. Other ones I got, she says, um, no, just don't use my name, but you can use any of the information I got. Then another one I get from her, don't tell anybody anything. I don't want anybody to know any of this. Right. Uh Okay. So, you know, they would call it MPD, multiple personality disorder. I say uh, multiple demonizations. Uh, 
Um, you know, the poor woman, I mean, she's, she's in a, a social stature here in Detroit. She's well known. She's highly respected. She's no quack. You don't get to be where she is in society without being somebody that's a real deal. And a lot of what she says is totally real. And I know it is. I, I verified it calling him some of the markers that I have from people, but a poor woman is just so fractured up. So victimized. Um, so I, unfortunately, you know, I'm just not going to use none of the material for nothing. Nowhere, no way. Except mm-hmm. maybe help her out personally. That's about all I can do. Just be her friend and help her out. That's good. That'll work out good. Is anybody starting to turn into a pumpkin over there? You know, I am starting to, yes. I, I <laughs> it's 10 to 9. It means it's 10 to 12 by you, Jim. I just, you keep talking if you want. I just oh, want to let you know. Well, um, actually, I got to get up early in the morning and go to my ex's and pick up some stuff there. She's She's got some comic books for me. Somebody gave her and some of her, they're classics. The Black Hole. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah some of these things I can use in the museum. Because yeah, my go. museum is going to, it's the official name now is not, it's not going to be a UFO museum. For everybody that could be attracted by seeing a UFO museum, 10 people are going to be shunned away. Right. It's going to be beyond science fiction museum. And like I'm using, that. and I'm using science fiction as like the, the main attracting, appealing thing. And I'm, I got tons of science fiction stuff. I've been a science fiction nut as much as anything else. So I'm using science fiction along with everything else to show how one is become it's like it's like yesterday's science fiction is today's inspiration for tomorrow's reality right and it's so true so that's the theme that's the theme of all of it yeah it shows how it's all interconnected so uh the black hole that's going to be a great that's going to be a great addition um and i'm getting a a star trek com badge because nice the last, the last episodes are the fifth season of Star Trek Discovery is just way too accurate on time. When that, the last words they said was, when, when the future becomes the past, the present is revealed. Man, there's so much being said right there. Yeah, it's the, the loop. It's the loop that connects the, it's like the, uh, what is that serpent, the Oreo uh, Ouroboros. Uh, Ouroboros. Yeah, Ouroboros. Yes. Thank you. That wraps around the earth with, and connects with the tail and the head it's together. The way too. Yep. Yeah. And yep. it is so, oh my gosh, it is, that is so real. I mean, that's, that's about as profound as uh, the, the words of a guy that had the helicopter and uh, uh, that threw snakes on people. What was that one? Uh, uh, Mad Max, uh, the, uh, he says, uh, wherever you go, there you are. You know, of course, that makes sense. Uh-huh. No matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> the yeah. same my dad says. He's, but he's like yeah. 70 years old. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, you know, that is profound because it is. That is exactly it, the eternal state, the loop. Yeah. You know, that 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 is what's going to happen. The, the loop that has to be broken. Yep. The future that becomes the past makes the present released. Release means to be revealed. Revealing is the apocalypse. It's the lifting of the veil. It's a revelation of what we're really dealing with, what kind of situation we're really in. So for people to say, you know, for you know, we've always been taught that the war in heaven was some ancient time past, you know, 
pre-creation or whatever, you know, there was a war. No, it hasn't even happened yet in our linear experience. It's going to happen. That's what CERN does. It releases the pit. So where does Satan go? He doesn't, the Antichrist, he doesn't go back into the bowels of the earth. That's where he came from. He ascends into heaven and makes a war in heaven. And the war in heaven created our past. And when that past is created, it releases the awareness of it in our time. And that release is just about ready to happen. CERN, CERN's going to do it one of these days, maybe this year, maybe next year. I don't know when, and I'm not going to play the dating game, but someday, sometime. For sure. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm done. I'm okay, guys. All right. It's been fun, as usual, and it's been informative, as usual. And I know the audience is going to get a lot out of this show tonight, as usual. So I want to thank you guys, and I want to thank the audience. Um, guys, it's always a pleasure to get together with you and talk about these things. It really is. And uh, you're a real blessing to me, and uh, I know to the audience also. So uh, my prayer for you guys and for the audience is that we have a wonderful week, that we just take one day at a time, that we trust the Lord, and uh, know that ultimately he's got everything under control, and we may lose some battles, but we win the war. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, okay, well, um, hang in there, guys. I'll close the show out. Goodbye, audience. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. God bless. God bless. God bless.